think it's important that we make good goals. So each of us, we're, we're different people. We have different ambitions. We're at different phases in our lives. And I think that means we should make different kinds of goals. For example, uh, I've recently gotten into running. I'm enjoying it. And so I'm probably going to make a running goal for 2022. Uh, but I imagine a lot of you guys are not going to be making any running goals. Um, there are a lot of you guys who are parents, and uh, I'm not a parent, don't plan to become a parent in 2022, so I'll be not making any parenting goals, but if you're a parent, you probably should make some parenting goals. Or if you're in school, again, not in school, don't plan to be in 2022, I will not be making any school goals, but if you're in school, you might make a school goal. But we're going to be talking this morning, not about secular goals, but about spiritual goals. And if you will, turn with me to Romans the 12th chapter. Romans 12, will begin in verse 4. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have a list of seven things. Paul tells us these are seven different gifts. This is not an exhaustive list of all of the gifts that we have spiritually, but it's a pretty good list. And so this morning I want to talk about each of these seven things. I know it's kind of ambitious, seven points, 30 minutes, but I want to take each of these and talk a little bit about them because I think each one of us will find that one or two of these are things that we are really blessed and skilled in. And if you are a teacher, then you might want to make a goal to grow in your teaching. Or if you're a server, you're going to want to make a goal in 2022 to grow in your serving. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, I'm going to make two challenges to you at the end of this lesson. So we'll be in Romans chapter 12 and jumping around. So I'll keep this on the board, but uh, we'll be all over the Bible. So let's start. Uh, no time to waste. So first, prophecy. Now, I won't spend much time on prophecy because I have to imagine none of you are prophets, and I highly doubt any of you will meet a prophet. However, uh, this spiritual gift that is miraculous is the only miraculous spiritual gift on this list. And we are told that if you have the gift of prophecy, that you're going to grow it in faith. Now, it's interesting. Some of these, for example, service in your serving, you grow it by doing it. But prophecy, uh, you are gifted in prophecy in accordance to your faith. And so if you want to grow your prophecy, you grow your faith. It's kind of interesting, but that makes sense. Because when you think about the life of a prophet, think about um, Ezekiel and all of the challenges and trials that he had to face and the amount of faith that it took for him to tie himself up and lay on his side for 400 days or the amount of faith that it took Isaiah to walk around naked on his body for a year or the amount of faith that it took for Jeremiah or Hosea or many of the prophets to do the things that they did. And we see God using people of deep faith. For example, Anna, when we get into the New Testament, is a woman who had been at the temple for years and years and years awaiting the coming of the Lord. And so when it came an opportunity for her to preach to the people about the coming of the Lord and to bring people with her, then that was what God allowed her to do by giving her the gift of prophecy. And her great faith was effective in making her a better prophet. But as I said, prophecy, not a super common gift for us. So 
we will move then to the next one where I believe we will start to find application to our lives. So next, we get the gift of service. So how do you know that you're a server or you know, what does that look like? I mean, we need people who can give uh, some of the people who can't drive rise to church. We've got opportunities to help people, to sign up for meal lists, to clean up people's yards, to help in different ways. And all of us uh, will have opportunities to help. So let's talk about that. What does that look like? And for this, uh, I want us to turn to Acts, the sixth chapter. Acts chapter six. Here we have an opportunity that arose where there were some people being overlooked in the collection or in a distribution of food. In Acts chapter six, it says, beginning in verse one, now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will find and appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole congregation, the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the whole of the Holy Spirit, Philip and Prochorus, Nicanor and Timon, Parmenius and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they said before the prophets, uh, before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Here we have an opportunity that arose to help, to serve. And they said, you know what? We got to find some guys who are going to be good at this. People who are going to be honest, people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are good people. And we are going to set them over the task of serving these widows. But I've chosen this text in particular to talk about serving because it, it introduces two very interesting aspects. One that is specific to serving and two that is general to all of these gifts. So first, I want to point you to verse two. The 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve tables. Here are men who knew that they had a task only they could do. And they said, we don't need to take away from this thing in order to do this other thing, which is, which is a good and wonderful thing to do, but we can't do it. And I want to tell you guys, most of you guys have a task that only you can do. For example, we talked about parents. If you are a parent, only you can be the parent to your child. You can't give that to a babysitter. You can't give that to an aunt or an uncle. Like, that's your job. That is your task. And there are a lot of people who can be the PTA president. There are a lot of people who can take on another Bible study, but only you can be your child's parent. And for many of us, we can examine our lives and we can realize, look, I have a task. That's my task to do. I can't delegate that to anybody. And so if this doesn't get done, it's not going to get done. And so we can take on tasks to help and to serve, but we have to make sure that when we have tasks that only we can do, that we guard those and defend those. But second, I want to show you something that's sort of the opposite of that that we learned from this. And that is, starting in verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of them who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those of Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit with which he was speaking. So Stephen picked for his ability to serve 
And yet, what if, do we learn about Stephen? Stephen is a really great preacher or a really great debater or Bible student. Stephen is not a one talent guy. He can do a lot of different things. And that's probably true for all of you, that there are gonna be several things on this list that you think, you know what, that's true for me. I am this and this. And so we don't need to limit ourselves. And also, I will talk more about this in a little bit, but to some extent, we all need, are called to be all of these things. For example, if you, you have a child that comes to you and says, hey, tell me more about Jesus. Like, you don't get the option to be a teacher or be like, you know what, teaching's not really my gift. I, I'm gonna you know, pass you off to somebody. Like, no, that's your job. And so we all have to be somewhat all of these things. But what I'm saying is, when we, what we learn from service is twofold. First of all, that we have to make sure that if you have something only you can do, that you make sure to not let things get in the way of you doing what only you can do. But also, that we don't limit ourselves, that we allow ourselves to serve in other capacities as we are called and as they rise up and as we are gifted. So, if you are a servant, then what you're gonna to wanna to do in this coming year is look for more opportunities to serve. Look for better opportunities to serve. Talk to people who are servants and say, hey, Help me figure out how I can work harder to serve more, to be a better servant here in this next year. So, prophecy, service. Next, we get teaching and exhorting. And they're different, but related. So, teaching, if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been here uh, a lot recently. But Ephesians chapter 4, we get... um, these gifts that the Spirit gives, but this is more of a specified list. This is a list that gives focus to the gifts and a specific reason. And these all kind of revolve around teaching. So we're said, starting in verse 11, he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That if you are a teacher, that your job is to ground people in the truth so that they're not flown back and forth, so that they have strength, stability, the ability to grow. Your job is to ground people in the truth. Now, if you're an exhorter, you have a similar job. A lot of times teaching and, over, and exhorting uh, in the life of a preacher, in the life of a teacher here in the back classroom or just in a one-on-one situation, they're going to overlap. But exhorting has kind of a different focus. And for that, I want to take us to, uh, to Thessalonians, to 1 Thessalonians 2. And we'll talk about teaching and exhorting together. As I said, a lot of times they, uh, their application is similar. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, Uh, Paul is speaking of the way that he interacted with the Thessalonians. And he says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So exhorting, not a word that we use a whole lot, 
But its synonyms are things like urging and encouraging. And if teaching has the idea of grounding in truth, exhorting is the idea that you want to take that truth and apply it in your life. This is a lived kind of Christianity. And that's what Paul says in verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So teaching is grounding in truth. Exhorting then would be urging people to live out their life. And as you can see, those are very related, but they're also sort of separate. And uh, as a preacher, I can tell you, sometimes I feel a lot better at one than the other. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people, that uh, there is some overlap in the way that we teach and train and help. Obviously, you know, we, we get back classroom teachers, but oftentimes teachers and exhorters uh, fill the same role, but they come at it from different angles, and we need to recognize that some people are gifted in one or the other and better in one or the other, and that as we are choosing classes that we're going to teach, that maybe we might think of doing one that would play to our strengths or perhaps one that's going to help us grow, but as we are thinking about that, how do we grow that gift? in 2022, well, if you feel like you have the gift of teaching or exhorting uh, and you're not on the, you know, the roster to teach classes, I don't know, it's probably too late, but you could talk to the elders and I bet they would find a way to help you. Or maybe if you don't want to be a public teacher, maybe you're like a one-on-one kind of guy, or maybe you want to mentor people. Whatever you can think of to help encourage people, to exhort them, to teach them, search for opportunities. And if you're already in those relationships or you're already you know, teaching a class, then you might consider thinking more about the way you do that. I mean, we've got uh, like professional classroom teachers here who are very helpful. I know my wife is very helpful in helping me to think about the way that my presentation helps people, the way I, that my engagement works. And so we have people who could help you to grow, to be not more of a teacher, to have, not to have more opportunities, but to do teaching better. And so think about that as you are making plans for this next year. What are you gifted in and how would you like to grow that? So teaching, exhorting. Next, we get to contribution. He who contributes with generosity. And for this, we're going to go to a text that I don't think you would have guessed, Luke 8. So in Luke 8, we get this really interesting text about some people who helped Jesus along the way. In Luke 8, the first three verses, we're told, Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Here we find an example of three and many more women who were privately wealthy and wanted to help out Jesus and his mission. So we think about this example and many others, the people who, who helped Paul, the people who gave money to Paul to give to the people in Jerusalem, there are opportunities all around for us to contribute, to do so with generosity. And so as we, as we consider that, I mean, a lot of times we think about, you know, the kind of exciting idea of, you know, being on, on the front lines. You know, everybody wants to go preach in Africa. Everyone wants to go, you know, dig wells. But the people who do that, the charities, the preachers, they need money 
to do those kinds of things. And they, you know, for every one guy we've got doing hard work in Africa, we need like 100 people over here doing normal, regular things, working their nine to five, making money to help contribute to the needs. And so as we think about that, we need to recognize that some people are really gifted by God with money to contribute with generosity. And I think here is where I will uh, expand more on something that I said earlier. All of these things are things that we're all in some way called to do. I mean, we're all in some ways are going to have to be teachers. We're all supposed to be contributors. Some people have a mite and some people have millions of dollars to help. And I think this brings up an interesting point, and that is, though we all can in some ways be all of these, except probably prophets, um, not all of us are gifted in all of them in exactly the same ways. And so I think we need to recognize that and grow what we can do really well. I was thinking about this in the context of a business, for example. I worked uh, for a summer at a place that built tow trucks. And so here, I mean, it's a huge organization. We've got welders. We've got accountants. We've got lawyers. And all of those people have very different jobs. And if you, you know, some places like small churches, they're like, you know what? We don't have a regular preacher. We'll just get a preaching rotation. And, you know, we don't have someone who wants to mow the lawn. So we'll just get a lawn mowing rotation. And, you know, sometimes that works. But not everyone is skilled in the same sorts of things. If we got the lawyer to do the welder's job and the welder to do the lawyer's job, both of them would be like, what is going on? And in the same way, we've got people who are really, really good and really enjoy the quiet behind the scenes service that is incredibly helpful. But they would not want to be a regular preacher. They don't want to be the song leader. And on the flip side, we've got people who really enjoy song leading, really enjoy preaching, and yet their skills are not as fit to those other things. Of course, we can grow, we can serve in whatever ways we need to, but we need to recognize that we all have gifts that differ. And it's, as we think about that in the context of charity and the context of many things, we need to recognize that even though we probably have skills to do all of these things, we're probably really blessed in like two or three. And that as we're planning for this next year, we might think, you know what? I really want to focus on those things that God has really blessed me to do and try and serve in that way. And so as we digress from generality back to um, contribution, how do we contribute with generosity? Well, it's one of two ways. Uh, generally, that means you're going to have to give more, to be more generous, to give more. And that will require you to either work harder to make more or to live on less to give more or to uh, contribute in other sorts of ways that are helpful. But in any sense, we, those who are contributors, must do so with generosity. And so if you want to grow your contribution, you also must grow your generosity. So that brings us then to the final two. He who leads with zeal. And this isn't super complicated. We think about the people who are leaders here, whether we're talking about sort of informal leaders or we're talking about people who have been appointed to teach classes or we're talking about the elders who are here to guide our church in a proper direction. That is something that takes zeal. And if you'll turn with me to Acts, the 20th chapter, we'll see what Paul says to the Ephesian elders. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, we'll read verses 28 through 31. 
Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things and draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish each of you with tears. Paul really, really cares about these people. It is very important to him. And so he is encouraging, exhorting, the elders here, that if they're going to do their job, they need to do it with urgency, with zeal, with intensity. That this is not something that you can just kind of come in and do uh, half-heartedly. It's going to take an effort. And the same is true for being a teacher. We have teachers who spend a lot of time working really hard to present their classes. And then there are some weeks that you can't do as much, and you can, you can tell a difference sometimes. And so we need to be serious about the tasks that we undertake. And if God has blessed us to lead and we are in a position to lead, whether formally or informally, we need to take that very seriously. And as we grow our leadership, the way we do that is by growing our zeal, to grow our intensity, to grow our fervor, to grow our excitement about the things that God has blessed us to do and to take the job that God has blessed us with and that the congregation has entrusted us with seriously. Finally, then, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, acts of mercy, uh, I sort of, I was confused about this at first, but I think that mercy here, typically I think of mercy and grace, but I think we should think of this more as the uh, unmerited favor kind of idea, that those who are doing acts of mercy has a lot to do with uh, defending the defenseless, that it is just taking care of the people who uh, can't, uh, don't have much to contribute back, that they, they can't take care of themselves, that they need other people to help them. Uh, you might think of, you know, uh, pure and undefiled religion is this, taking care of the widows and orphans. And we think about uh, in like Acts, for example, Barnabas standing up for Paul, that Paul uh, I mean, he's an intense guy, an amazing dude, but this is the beginning of his ministry and people don't trust him. But Paul, uh, but Barnabas comes to his rescue to stand up for him and say, no, this guy, you can trust him. He's really good. And he, he puts himself out there. I think about this maybe in modern times. Uh, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, there were a lot of people who were saying, look, COVID is not that serious. We're overreacting. Like, it's just going to kill the old people and the babies. Like, that's not that big of a deal. And there were people who stood up there and said, no, that is a big deal. Like, we need all the people. We can't, just, we can't just cast aside a whole portion of our population. Everyone matters. And those people who were the voice for the defenseless are very important. Those are the people who are showing mercy. And so how do you show mercy? How do you increase your mercy? By cheerfulness. And this isn't a super complicated connection because guess what? It's tiring work. It's, it's thankless work to show this kind of mercy. And so in order to do that, you're going to need cheer. You're going to need energy to keep going, to press on, to continue showing mercy even when it's hard. And so if you are gifted with the gift of uh, defending the defenseless, showing mercy, then the way that you're going to grow that is to be more cheerful, to seek out opportunities to protect and to help and to serve those who cannot serve themselves. And so 
as we then conclude, how do we do this? Uh, so I want to give you two challenges then for this coming year. And the first of them is pretty simple. You've been doing it all along. I want you to look at this list. Here, I'll put it back up in its full sense. I want you to look at this list and, and figure out what it is that you are really gifted to do. And like I said, not an exhaustive list. If you're like really confident that there's something else on here that you're like, you know what, I can contribute that, then uh, you know, go ahead. You know, it's not... It doesn't have to be from this list, but think about that. Take some time to consider. And of course, you know, I had 30 minutes. It took four minutes on each of these. So uh, there are going to be some of these that you, when you pick, when you say, you know, that's, that's really what God has blessed me in. It's going to take some private study to look. Uh, I've just introduced you to them. But take some time to decide, this is how God has blessed me. These are the ways I want to grow in this coming year. And then here is the second challenge, and that is, to find people who already do that really well. And uh, I'm going to challenge you that in, in January, because if I, if I say like sometime in 2020, you're going to forget. So in January, find somebody who does the thing that you want to do really well. Take them to lunch. Go get coffee with them and say, hey, how, how do you do what you do? How do you serve with such tireless fervor? How do you teach so well? How do you engage the people? What things go into your planning process? How do you do the things that you do? How can I get better at them? Because here's the thing. We live in this country where we all want to be independent. We want to do our own thing. We want to look out for ourselves. And we want to just know how to do stuff. But God gave us a family for a reason. We're here to help each other. We're here to encourage and to help each other grow. And we each have different skills. And if you see someone who is mature in the skill that you want to have, go talk to them. Talk with them, share with them, learn from them so that you can make these specific goals to grow in this upcoming year so that you can be a better servant in God's kingdom. So I hope that this has, like I said, just been kind of an introduction to the ideas of the different gifts that we all have. And I hope that you take these things, think on them, and make specific goals for yourself, how you want to grow, how you want to improve your service to God and to this church in this coming year. Thank you so much for your time. We'll now be dismissed to class.